following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. Today, what I want to talk about is this whole concept of why it matters to be rooted. If you've been here at all, I feel this compulsion to always tell you why it matters that we're talking about whatever we're talking about. I'm not sure what that is. I'm sure I could get ministry for that, but, um, but it, it helps me to be able to kick it off in that way. So last week, how many of you were here last week for Family Sunday and Pastor Bob's fun presentation? I'm, that's um, preaching goals for me. He's pretty brave to invite the kids up front where they can be heard on the microphone and and to involve them in the sermon. And and, um, so that's that's what I'm aspiring to someday. Um, For now, it's enough that you all might comment while I share. But that that was an awesome message. And one of the things that he talked about was this whole concept of um, walking by the Spirit, by abiding in Christ so that we produce the fruit of the Spirit. And he gave an excellent example of recognizing that all we have to do to walk by the Spirit is not walk by the flesh. It's, it's, we choose to walk by the Spirit, and then we don't walk by the flesh. And I thought, wow, that is so simple. Um, so I, I think that was an awesome uh, word, and he based that on the, the scripture in John 15, 16, where Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, and that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he should give you. And so one of the things that I want to talk about is that the mandate on our lives is to bear fruit. And not just the mandate on our lives, but the ability that God's given us is to bear fruit. That this is the plan from the beginning of time, really. When we think about it, the commission that was given to Adam and Eve was fruitfulness. It was that they would bear fruit. And then when Jesus came and restored us to that original commission, he says, you are meant to bear fruit. And so the the Christian life is meant to bear fruit. And not just fruit, but we're meant to bear good fruit. In fact, there are scriptures in the New Testament that say that we will be known by our fruit, or that a tree can be known by its fruit. And so we're meant to bear fruit. We're meant to bear good fruit. Uh, In Luke 6.43, it says, For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its fruit. That, That there is something that is meant to come out of our lives, meant to be produced in our lives, that causes us to be recognized as a tree that bears the same fruit that Jesus does. When we talk about what is, what is good fruit, well, really, it's that we would bear the fruit that Jesus was bearing, that we would uh, bear it in our character, that we would bear it even in the way that we have influence in different things. And so we're meant to bear fruit. So we're meant to bear fruit, we're meant to bear good fruit. And in verse 8 of chapter 15, Jesus said that you will bear much fruit. So we're meant to bear fruit, it's meant to be good, and it's meant to be abundant. 
We're meant to bear much fruit. And this was the prayer of Jesus. This was the declaration of Jesus that when we abide in him, we would bear much fruit. Jesus said, I came that you'd have life, that you'd have it abundantly. So we're not meant to bear just a little bit of fruit here and there. We're meant to be increasing in the fruit that we're bearing in our lives. And so this is, this is why it matters how we're rooted, because we're meant to bear that fruit. Finally, on that point, we're meant to bear fruit that remains. So in John 15, 16, he says that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. So we're meant to bear fruit. It's meant to be good. It's meant to be much fruit. And it's meant to be a fruit that remains, that is an eternal fruit. It's something that is not just for that moment, not just um, something that's there and then gone, but that that fruit would continue to remain, that it would actually multiply, that it would create something else. Because, because we're distributing it? I don't know, but we're meant to bear <coughs> fruit that remains. And so we know in this verse what it's telling us is that when we abide in him, we produce this fruit. We produce good fruit that's abundant that remains. And so to some degree, we could totally simplify it. It would be a very short sermon. We could totally simplify it and say the key to bearing this fruit that we're meant to bear is that we would abide in him. Have you ever heard that and gone, what exactly does that mean? I mean, we, we understand this conceptually. There's a lot of kind of Christian concepts of what it means to abide in him and, and to press into him. And I'm grateful that the Lord gives us other, other parables, other things that we can look at in the word to understand what does it look like to abide in him? What does it look like to abide in him in such a way that we produce the same kind of fruit that Jesus produced? That, that what's in him is in, is in us, and we, we can produce that fruit. So one thing I want to, before we move on further from that, I want us to kind of define fruit, because when we're talking about a word picture like this, you know, like mix, we can get mixed metaphors, kind of. I believe that one aspect of that is obviously the fruit of the Spirit, that the fruit of the Spirit is the character that just pops out of our life, because we're walking in the Spirit, because our roots are, are pressing into the Spirit. And be, when that happens, and Pastor Bob talked about it last week, fruit just happens. And, and the reality is we don't see or hear trees struggling to create fruit. I have never walked by an apple tree and heard it groaning not one time, or huffing and puffing, or any of that. But what happens is when we are rooted in Christ, fruit just pops out. It just, it just happens. And so we can sometimes you know, be really focused on trying to create fruit and have something to show for ourselves, but the reality is that really comes from what's going on on the inside. That's where any of the kind of effort, if we can call it that, we're not going to call it that because we don't like that word. But that's where any of the, the pressing in comes in is where we're rooted. And then out of that pops out fruit. So, so when we're talking about fruit, yes, the, the fruits of the Spirit, 
I also believe we can talk about fruit and mean the, the fruitfulness of God, the evidence of God in our lives. Fruitfulness can look like healthy family relationships. Fruitfulness can look like um, uh, doing well in our business and having wisdom in our business. Fruit can look like um, having influence in different areas. Fruit can look like finances. So, so there, we're meant to bear fruit in a lot of different ways. And when I'm talking about fruit today, I'm not just talking about the fruit of the Spirit, although I think that is an area we need to focus and recognize that that is the fruit we're meant to produce. That, that sometimes we can focus on producing these other fruits. Sometimes we can look and see that there's a demand for a certain kind of fruit, and we go, oh, I'm going to see if I can create that. Because it seems like the world really needs that fruit right now. But really, we produce the fruit of what the Spirit's doing, and we're connected to the Spirit. So anyway, that's what we mean when we talk about fruit. When I'm talking about fruit, I also want us to recognize that we're not talking about the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are not cultivated. The gifts of the Spirit are given. And so the, the gifts of the Spirit, when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, we're talking about things like prophecy and healing and words of wisdom and words of knowledge and, and all of the, the, what's listed as the gifts of the Spirit those are not things that, that we, we have to cultivate in our lives. Those are just gifts. So we steward gifts. We produce and cultivate fruit in our lives. And I think it's important to recognize that because I think sometimes we can try to produce the fruit that are really gifts that God just wants to give us. These are the gifts of the Spirit that he's already given us to steward. And I don't, there's nothing I have to do to try to work that up and try to create that. So I just want to make sure that we kind of know what we're talking about. Now, the reality is when I'm pressing into the things of the Spirit, that, that there's a stewardship of the gifts that happens in my life. And as I steward the gifts of the Spirit, then, then the Lord brings more of that. And part of that is I steward the gifts of the Spirit by having really good fruit by having love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, et cetera, et cetera, kindness, self-control, gentleness, faithfulness. This is fun. It's like scripture memory. So, so we want to make sure that we understand that. The other thing we recognize because of the verse we looked at earlier is that fruit reveals things about on the outside about what's going on on the inside. And so... While I'm not struggling, struggling to produce fruit, I can look at the fruit in my life and I can say, okay, that's telling me something about the health of my roots. That's telling me something about the health of the inner. That's why that Bible verse um, said in, in Luke said that a good tree produces good tree or fruit, a bad tree produces bad fruit. You can know the tree by its fruit. And so when I see some fruit pop out on my life that is gross, I can go, hmm, what is going on on the inside of me that that's what's being produced? And I, I would caution you from working too hard at changing the outcome of that. Okay, I'm just not going to do that anymore. Okay, I'm just going to try harder. Okay, I'm not going to... No, I'm going to go back to my place of abiding 
And I'm going to go deeper into that and allow the strength of that to change the fruit that I'm producing. So we're meant to produce fruit. The other thing is we're meant to be growing. This is why we can use tree and plant and seed analogies all over the place in sermons because Jesus did, because the New Testament does, the Old Testament does, because there's a reality that we're meant to be growing. In fact, I am convinced that not that Jesus looked at agriculture and said, oh, this will be relevant. Let me see if I can compare the kingdom of God to this. I am convinced that when God established the earth, he built into it these processes that help us understand how the kingdom operates. It's not just like, you know, oh, well, this is kind of like a tree. Let's tell them it's a tree. I really believe the tree <laughs> is, is showing us a, a kingdom principle that we can see and in front of us. It, it says all of creation praises his name or shows his works. I feel like it's showing us a way of the kingdom. And so that's why we can talk about it from that standpoint. So the Christian life is meant to be about growth. From the time that we die to sin and we're reborn in Jesus, from that point forward, we're growing. From that point forward. So when we look at our fruit, what we need to not look at is, do I have as much fruit as that person? Do I have all the fruit I'm supposed to have? No, I'm looking at, do I have more fruit than last year? Do I have better fruit than last year? Am I growing? Not am I perfect? Not is every, every single branch full of fruit? But am I growing in, in my production of that fruit? So we're meant to be growing. First Peter says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And here's what I want us to understand. We are complete in Christ. We are complete in Christ. But there is this process of growing into the knowledge of that. There's this process of growing into caring and walking in that. So he says, grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. In Hebrews, he says, therefore, let's leave behind the elementary doctrines and go on to maturity. We're meant to be maturing. That's, that's one of the reasons we gather here, is to become more mature in the things of the Lord, wherever we're at. It's not that, oh, this person needs to come up to where I'm at because they're here and I'm here, or vice versa. We're just all maturing. And so that's what we're looking at. When you're looking at one another, when you're looking at your spouse, stop looking for perfection and start looking for growth. When you're looking at your kids, stop looking for perfection and start looking for growth and call out that growth. You're growing! We do that with kids all the time, don't we? Oh, you're getting so tall. Why do we stop doing that when we're adults? We just have to point out different things. Don't say it that way. Though. Yeah, don't say, oh, you're getting so big. <laughs> don't say that. You can say you're growing. In Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, but you should be teachers by now, but you need someone to teach you again. He's saying you should be growing. You should be growing past this point because our lives are meant to grow. Not because we're meant to work so, so hard, but because when I abide in Christ, growth is the, the response to that. Not because He's not saying, you guys aren't working hard enough. 
How come you're not producing fruit? Try harder. He's saying, but, but you should have grown by now. There's something wrong on the inside that isn't allowing that growth to happen. What's going on with your roots? Which is what we're going to talk about over this month. So that that growth can be happening. So we can look at, how's my fruit? Am I growing? Those are things that we can look at. Can I just say, and we're going to have a chance, hopefully, at the end of the service to let the Lord speak a little bit to you about your fruit in this season. You don't realize it, but you have been bearing good fruit in famine. That's one of the things that the Lord spoke to me two years ago, that this is going to be a body that bears fruit in the drought, that bears fruit in the famine. And we don't always see it, but we're going to see it today because that's an important aspect of recognizing what God's doing in our lives is recognizing the fruit that's coming. The problem is we need to be careful that we don't get so fruit-focused that we're not aware of our roots. Because everything in our society right now is about what is showing up on the outside. There's this, this attraction to showing the outside of things. That's the whole thing. I'm sure we can get through a Sunday without railing on social media. I'm sure we can. This is not that Sunday. But, but there's, there's this aspect of it that, that creates this obsession with the outer appearance, with, with what are we creating on the outside. But they're really, it's about what's going on on the inside. The things that we're seeing, even in our nation, the things that we're seeing happening, th those are not, that's not coming from the outside. That is an example, or that is revealing some deficit in the roots. That's revealing some deficit in the inner lives of the people. The things that are happening in the body of Christ where there's some turmoil and, and there's, there's things happening. That isn't because of someone stealing all the fruit or whatever. That's because of some things that were allowed to not be tended on the inside. That the roots were not cared for. And so we need to be careful that we don't become so fruit-focused. In fact, I don't think we should focus on it at all, on trying to create it. I think that where we, we need to focus is, how, is I, how am I abiding in Christ right now? How am I leaning into him in this season so that the result of that will be fruit? It's a, it's a natural law. It's a spiritual law. That when, when we press into what's on the inner, in the secret places, that it produces something that is seen from the outside. So we want to be sure that we recognize that fruit comes at the end of the process. In fact, there are some, like if you plant a new fruit tree, they actually recommend that you uh, pinch off the blossoms for the first couple years so that instead of all the energy going to producing fruit on this little tiny tree, all that energy can go into building a strong root system. Bamboo, which is known as one of the fastest growing things, kinda, because bamboo doesn't grow at all this way for like the first 
Is somebody in here a horticulturist? The first like three years or something, it grows roots for a really long time, and then all of a sudden, it starts to shoot up visibly. It grows super fast, but not until it's established deep roots. And so there's this, this aspect of recognizing that roots come before fruit, that the things on the inside come before the things on the outside. <laughs> I had an orchid. I don't have time for this story. Uh, I had an orchid. I'm going to tell it anyway. I, that um, I wanted this orchid to bloom. It hadn't bloomed for like two years. And I, I'm like... It looked like these new shoots were like trying to come up. So I'm, I'm staking them up this little, you know, if you've ever had an orchid, you have sticks and you stake it, whatever. And so I'm staking them, no blossoms, no blossoms, no blossoms. Like, I don't know what's going on. And so we had a friend over, and my friend said, that is really weird. I've never seen anybody stake the roots up like that. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I see saw it online. No, I didn't say that. Um, but the reality was I was trying to make something visible and make it produce something that it's meant to be hidden. It's meant to be in the ground. So as soon as I repotted it, tucked all those little roots, and they didn't want to go because I had trained them to stick up, tucked all those little roots into the pot, and do you know it blossomed in like two weeks? It was like, thank you. <laughs> so we want to be careful that we don't try to make the things that are meant to be hidden and meant to give us growth. We don't try to, like, here, look what's happening here. Nothing. Nothing was happening. Because they're meant to be drawing nutrients from a place that's unseen. So, so it's important that we recognize that. Okay. So here's the thing. I'm so glad that I'm preaching for the next three weeks because I have stuff. Um, here's the thing. We need to recognize that one of the biggest places that produces growth, the fruit that we're talking about, the growth that we're talking about, are trials and tests. You all want to leave now, right? Well, we have eight more minutes. So here's, this is what I want to make really clear. I do not believe that God sends tragedy and sickness and whatever to test us and teach us something. And I, I don't believe that, that we have to embrace it in that way. What I do believe is that when these things come into our lives, he is really, really good at using that time to develop good roots in us and to produce fruit in our life, if we'll let him. If we'll let him do that. He, that's what he wants to do. There's a verse in, um, I don't remember where it is, where Joseph says, uh, what the enemy meant for good, God, no, what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. Or what, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And what, I've always looked at that verse and thought, yeah, yeah, so the enemy brings something and it's really bad and then God like kind of turns it around and makes it good. And what's interesting to me is that the language there is actually what the enemy intended for evil, God intended for good. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not like, oh, I'll see if I can work with this. It's like he knows, and he knows exactly how to take that thing. It's like a martial arts 
thing, is it judo or something, where you turn the strength of your opponent against them and you use it? That's what he does with the enemy, with the things, the trials that come into our life. And he's so good because he knows that we're made for fruitfulness and growth and that this can produce that in us. So we know that trials and tests can produce good things. In Romans 5, it says, Not only that, but we also glory in trials and tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given us. So trials produce something in us, so much so that when we come into a place where it feels like a winter season, where it feels like a drought, where it feels like I don't know how I'm going to produce fruit in this season. That he says, rejoice in that because it's about to produce something in you. This is an opportunity to send your roots deeper. Those trials precede a fruitful season. And so we need to recognize that. We need to embrace that aspect of it and say, God, how do you want to develop me in this time? James 1, 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That That's the whole concept of maturity and growth in the Christian life. It's saying these tests are one of the quickest ways to that. These tests produce something in you, a depth on the, in the inner man, as you abide in me, as you press into me, that produces something amazing. It actually makes you perfect and complete. How many, how many of you want to be perfect and complete? We've got a ways to go, but we're on our way there, right? We're growing into that, and it's tests that sometimes uh, will open that for us. Augustine said, trials come to prove us and to improve us. So what we need to recognize is that these testings, whether you know it's storm or drought or wind or fire or flood, whatever the extreme conditions that come into our life, for some of you, we've talked about this before, for some of you, COVID and everything around that was not the most extreme condition that came into your life. I can tell you that I went through a very extreme condition before COVID, with losing my mom to cancer, to the degree that there's something that got built in me that went, yeah, you can't hurt me. Because what I had just walked through was, was a very extreme condition for me. And when we came to this, I went, yeah, this, is, this isn't that. <laughs> but it developed something in me so that when this storm came, there was something that anchored me in the midst of that, that anchored me to the goodness of God that anchored me to the trust in him. I had developed a trust that there, there was no rocking that. So, so the, when a storm comes, we need to recognize that that test is good. The purpose of it is not to kill us. The purpose of it is actually, it says in 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter 1, 6, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials or tests, that the genuineness of your faith, 
being much more precious than gold that perishes, though tested by fire, may be found to pray the praise, honor, and glory of Jesus. It's saying this test is to reveal the genuineness of your faith. This test is to reveal you are rooted in him. It's not to reveal, yeah, you still got a lot of work to do. Does it reveal that? Yeah, it reveals the places of weakness. It reveals the places where we still aren't producing the fruit. But the test really is meant to reveal the genuineness of our faith, how grounded we are in him. So we need to recognize that tests are not punishment. Tests are an opportunity to have our faith revealed. Tests are often something that precedes a promotion. When we, when we walk through something and, and our faith is tested and it shows to be more precious than the gold, there's something that happens in a test where our faith is revealed. It's not, to, it's not to break us down and to show us where we're lacking. So we want to embrace that. The other piece is that a test causes our roots to go deeper. It causes us to press into, because a test will begin to remove the things that used to fill us. It will begin to, it'll, things get taken out of our life that we were leaning into, that we were we were um, depending on for to be filled so that we can go deeper into abiding in him, so that we can lean into that. David was called a man after God's own heart. And I think a lot of people make a big issue of the, you know, <coughs> he was a sinner and, and it's okay because he was a man. Yeah, I don't think that's the biggest part of his story. <laughs> I think the biggest part of his story is that when tests came into his life, what made God say, he's a man after my heart, was that he leaned into the Lord in the midst of that. It says in 1 Samuel 30, the whole story is that, nope, not the whole story because we don't have time. The story, in short, is that um, he he came back. This is after David has waited and waited and waited to step into the promise that God had over his life. David had lots of rooting seasons. He was anointed king. It would be years before he would ever serve as king. He was anointed king, and then he went right back to being in the muck and mud of shepherding. And it was in that season that he developed deep, deep roots. And in this situation, he came back to his camp and the enemy had killed all of his, his family, and you know, they were decimated, and the people wept, and it was so sad. But it says, David strengthened himself in the Lord. He leaned into the Lord in the midst of that test. And so what I want to uh, close with is just the reality of that. I want to encourage you that your faith has been proven genuine in the midst of this test. Whatever that is, whatever, whatever you've been in, if you've been like in a you know, super easy peasy season, that's so great for you. Um, but whatever you've walked through, whether it's what everybody's been walking through or whether it's individual loss, whether it's individual struggle or confusion or things in your family, whatever it is, 
I want to encourage you that there are ways that your faith has been proven genuine. I even want you, just for one, one minute, we're going to we appreciate that the Holy Spirit is so quick to answer us. I want you to just for a minute ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you a place where your faith has been proven genuine in the midst of trial. That he would reveal to, to you that, that he would show you a place where you've produced fruit or where you've been growing even in the midst of extreme circumstances. Can you just ask him, can you show me that? Let him, let him speak to you for a second. Let him bring something to mind. I believe this week he wants to continue to commend you for areas that your faith has been proved genuine in the midst of difficult circumstances. So I just encourage you to continue that dialogue with him. Lord, we thank you for showing us those places. And then another, another thing that we can press into with him is what it looks like in whatever circumstance I'm in right now to send my roots deeper into abiding in him. The verse that we've been kind of hovering on over the last few months, Jeremiah 17, 8. The man who trusts in the Lord shall be like a tree planted by the living waters, which sends out its roots by the river. I believe that this is a season of sending our roots. There's an intentionality behind that. And so this week, you're asking the Lord, show me where the genuineness of my faith has, has risen to the surface in the midst of this testing. And you're asking him, show me where I can send my roots deeper. We're going to talk about some different ways to do that. But we just want to commit to that, that we are going to be intentional about sending our roots deeper into the streams of life because we know that we're coming into a fruitful season. We know that we're coming into a time not only where we need that, that nourishment from the Lord to produce that fruit, but we need that growth to even be able to carry the heaviness, the, the weightiness of that fruit. There's fruit that the Lord wants to release into our lives that unless we're rooted more deeply, it would tip us over. <laughs> That's a lot of fruit, and I want my roots to be ready for that. So Lord, we thank you so, so much that the mark on our lives of this season the mark on our lives of any other loss or difficulty that we've walked through is going to be the genuineness of our faith and a deeper uh, pressing into you. The mark on this season is going to be your mercy and your love poured out on us. And it's going to produce fruit in us, in our families, 
in our churches, in our community, in our nation, and around the world. We thank you, Lord, for caring about our roots. We ask that we would be intentional to send them deeper into you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.